This, this is the second, second Story Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Second Story Podcast. If you are new to the program, Second Story is a nonprofit arts collective located in Chicago, Illinois. We primarily focus on story sharing experiences, be they in a live setting or in workshops and classes. For more information or to donate, visit Second Story, that's 2ndstory.com. Today, we are re-releasing an episode by Second Story veteran Sarah Zamatis in support of a charity very close to her heart, St. Baldrick's. For 15 years, St. Baldrick's has been supporting those afflicted with childhood cancer through donations to research and direct assistance to their families. Head over to St. Baldrick's, that's stbaldrick's.org. Head over to the Get Involved section to find out how you can support childhood cancer research. Recorded live at Pub 626 in April of 2016, Second Story presents Sarah Zamatis. When you look in the mirror, what is your defining feature? For me, it's my hair. I have been blessed with a full, thick head of hair that naturally does what it wants with pretty good results. My hair has evolved and changed, and sometimes it has changed me. The first major evolution was back in third grade when my older sister took me for a haircut. This was back in the early 80s when kids could roam free and do such things without parental consent. She loved the short do her friend had just gotten, and instead of trying it on herself, <laughs> she decided I was the next best model. This removed what society saw as my only defining feminine feature. For the next few years, every time we went to a restaurant, the waitress would ask, what can I get for you, little man? My family thought it was funny, too. So they took to calling me Sam. It took many years of tragic perms and growing it out to recover from this. Honestly, I love short hair on other women, but it never felt right for me. When my all one length glory was restored, the reflection in the mirror looked like me. I, I felt like me. When my husband, Scott, and I prepared to get married, he joked, uh, you know it's in the prenup that you're not allowed to get your hair cut, right? <laughs> So, with the exception of a trim here or there, I've let my hair be, and it has grown long and lustrous. My crowning glory, my, my source of strength, like, like Samson. And man, did I need strength in the winter of 2014. I lost nine people during that brutal winter. Friends, family, most to cancer, taken in the prime of their adult lives. With each loss, I needed to do something to ease the aching with some sort of action. One day, as I looked in the mirror, I caught sight of my hair, all that hair, down past the middle of my back. I decided I would wrap someone suffering with cancer in my love by donating my hair to be made into a wig. It felt like something, something that felt right. As I researched where my donation would do the most good, winter descended, and it was cold. 
Honestly, my hair was keeping me warm. I, I think I was holding on to it as some kind of like security blanket against any more change. Then my husband, my three kids and I had the flu, like all of December. We couldn't shake it, especially our two-year-old, Sophia. She had four rounds of it. Oh, constant cuddles and cleanup. By the end, our littlest peanut was just spent. Skin and bones and bright blue eyes. The calendar turned 2015. On a bitter day in January, as I was scrolling down my Facebook feed, I saw a post from my friend, Sheila. We had met a few, days before, a few years before while doing a show. I didn't really have the bandwidth for delving into a deep friendship right then, so I did what you do, and we became Facebook friends. <laughs> <clears throat> Today, her post was about an annual event in honor of her daughter, Donna, who had died from a brain tumor at the tender age of four. I had never met this child, but the story grabbed me, as Donna would have now been 10, just like my oldest son. I couldn't imagine what it must be like for her family now without Donna. I read more about this event and I learned about the St. Baldrick's Foundation. Their gimmick is that people shave their heads to raise funds for pediatric cancer research. <laughs> now, I was not ready to go bald, but I decided to send her a message. Hey, Sheila, I've been thinking about donating my hair in honor of all these people that I've, uh, that have, I've lost to cancer recently. I mean, I don't know any kids with cancer, but all research is good, right? Can I come chop my ponytail and raise some money for you? Her answer came in all caps. We would love to have you on board. <laughs> Little did I know that my entire world would change just 12 days later. At 9.19 p.m., I sent Sheila another message. Um, could you please call me ASAP? I'm at Lurie Children's, and I just got word that my daughter has a mass in her brain. I could really use you now. That flu back in December wasn't a flu for our two-year-old baby at all. It was pressure building up in her brain because this mass was blocking the flow of fluid. In 10 years of parenting, we had only been to the ER once. But here we were, being asked to agree to emergency surgery to save our girl's life. I haven't heard back from Sheila. I, I want to call her. I can't call her. It's too late. Scott took my arm and said, you can call anyone you need. She'll answer. I was reeling, and I couldn't imagine consenting to surgery. I didn't even begin to know how to process the world that was crumbling around me. Thank goodness Sheila answered. She had stood where I was standing. She calmed me, saying, Sarah, just breathe and listen. The doctors will do everything they can. You need her to have this surgery. I went back into the room and I gave my permission for these people I had never met to drill into my child's skull. I sang you are my sunshine to her as they gave her the first anesthesia. As I leaned down to kiss my baby's head, I had to push my hair out of my face which was damp with tears. As she was wheeled away to the OR, we were guided to an empty hallway lined with vacant patient rooms. It was a ghost town, packed with furniture and machines, but no people. 
It was the loneliest place on earth. The next few days at the hospital were an absolute whirlwind of activity buried in a deluge of information with a very steep learning curve. It felt like a million people came into the room every day and they all spoke a foreign language. Our baby lay there weak and listless. There was a tube coming out of her head, draining fluid into a bag. I didn't know how to touch her. Her hair was a tangled mess and she had a large bald spot where they had to shave her head for surgery. It was all so sudden. One day, I was caught up in my own grief about others passing away, and now here I was, fighting for my girl's life. At the end of the week, there were more surgeries. A shunt, a, a permanent drain was placed inside her head and a port for her impending chemotherapy. Just two days later, we were sent home and there was a flood of stuffed animals waiting for us. <laughs> I feared they might take over. <laughs> but I understood people's need to do something. I wished I could do more too. The biopsy results came back and her mass was classified as a glioneuronal tumor. Uh, don't bother Googling that, it will blow your mind. <laughs> Sophia's tumor was low grade, meaning not aggressive, but her chemotherapy had to begin immediately, weekly treatments for 15 months. Educating ourselves was a huge task. Clinical trials, protocols, side effects, oh, side effects. Sophia's two chemo drugs both had massive lists of side effects. And topping both lists, hair loss. This was no time for vanity, but the thought of my only little girl losing her hair was heartbreaking. The doctor said to expect it to begin falling out quickly within the first few weeks. Which brought me back to my pledge to St. Baldrick's, made less than two weeks before my entire world changed. My stakes had definitely gone up for this event. In order to make it um, fun, I decided to have people vote with their donations. Should I cut my hair into a smart bob or go for it and shave it all off? The challenge was on as there was only 26 days until the St. Baldrick's event. It felt good now to have a meaningful way for people to help support us while providing help for others as well. And maybe the animal avalanche would slow. <clears throat> I wrote a fundraising letter to everyone I knew. I didn't know what would happen. Every day, the contributions increased. People told their friends who shared with their friends, and donations poured in from around the world. Businesses got on board to champion the cause. This sweet little nine-year-old boy signed up to shave by my side in Sophia's honor. Overwhelmingly, people wanted me to keep my hair. <laughs> I was relieved. But part of me was secretly hoping that the votes would make me shave. Everything else had changed. Why not be bald? Then I would look as vulnerable and scarred on the outside as I felt on the inside. March 28th arrived, and nothing prepared me for what greeted me when I walked in the door of candlelight. Our tiny corner bar was packed. It was bigger than my wedding. 
People turned out from all corners of our lives. Friends, family, school, church. Fire code was broken. <laughs> the closeness of the crowd mirrored the connection we all felt joined together to beat this thing. I had that feeling new mothers describe when they've just delivered waves and waves of oxytocin just kept coursing through my system. I was so moved by the other 30 shavies, the participants in the event. Donna's dad shaves every single year. One woman flew in from Texas to shear her long blonde locks. An entire family shaved in honor of their sweet boy they had, they had lost just months prior. And then there was me, just two months into Sophia's battle. I retreated to the solitude of the bathroom and I divided my hair into multiple small ponytails. Uh, the lighting was not kind. <laughs> and I could see the multitude of ways that these months had aged me. My face was flush, so I splashed some cold water on it and I headed out to the chopping block. As I waded through the crowd to the front of the room, it was reported that the event had crested over $100,000. As I mounted the platform for my turn, Sophia arrived, fresh from her nap. It was like that scene in The Lion King as she was handed to me and I lifted her up. Everyone in the room cheered. She was understandably overwhelmed. <laughs> How many two-year-olds do you know that have hundreds of people cheering for them? As she happily went to her dad's waiting arms, I had an idea. I announced to the room, who wants to cut my hair? $100 a ponytail, hands shot in the air, and 10 volunteers signed on to take a turn. I turned to the volunteer barber and said, can I use your cutting shears? She looked at me like I was crazy. Um, I don't have my shears, I'm shaving. So I called out to the bartender, can we use your scissors? A dull, rusty pair of bar scissors came crowd surfing along a sea of hands. I was in full-on surrender as my tresses were dismantled. Seven out of ten of the ponytails were cut by children. <laughs> Laughter and cheers deafened me with each snip. The weight I had felt that threatened to crush me daily for the last two months seemed to lighten as I was relieved of my locks. And just like that, 15 inches of hair was gone. Afterwards, as I was in the bathroom again, I caught sight of myself in the mirror. <laughs> My hair was chopped in large chunks, <laughs> bluntly cut and all at different lengths. My hair had never looked worse. And I had never felt more beautiful. In the one year since that day, my hair has grown, as has Sophia. When she smiles, her chubby cheeks rise and they crinkle up her bright blue eyes. She still is in treatment and we're constantly braced for bad news. But fortunately, the ride has had more ups than downs. Sophia refers to all of the hospital staff as her friends and ironically, she has never lost a strand of hair. Next weekend, we will come together again to conquer kids' cancer at candlelight. Anybody feel like a haircut? <laughs> uh -huh.
To donate directly to Sophia's Hero Fund, go to Team Z for fee, that's P-H-I, on the full list of Hero Funds at stbaldrix.org. It should be up by the end of September. Sarah's story was curated by Julie Ganey, directed by C.P. Chang, and the sound design was by Nick Kawahara. Second Story is supported in part by the Chicago Community Trust, the MacArthur Funds for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Treehouse Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Arts Work Fund for Organizational Development, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Nick Kawahara, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.